Wrestling Geeks Hello, everyone out there. How are you doing today? This is your friend Dana Alves. We've got another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance for you, uh, where me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news. And today we'll, we will be reviewing uh, the Wednesday Night Wars. We'll go over AEW Dynamite, we'll go over NXT, and then we'll go over the ratings that just came out for them. So before we get into all of that, I want to introduce my co-host, Chris. How are you doing tonight? Today, whatever time. Yeah, I'm doing good. I just woke up from a nap, so I'm a little dazed, but I'm excited to talk about wrestling. How, how's your week been going, Dane? You know, very quick. I can't complain. You know, it's been a pretty good work week. It's hot in the uh, in the warehouse, so uh, that's the only thing that sucks. I think the heat index was like at 100 today. It sometimes gets to 105. So, um, yeah, just being in a T-shirt printing company with a bunch of dryers around you, uh, it gets hot. How's your air conditioning at your office job, Chris? Well, I'm Not still working from jealous. home, so it's it's pretty pretty solid, the AC. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you. I really am. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so I think that we're just in better moods because, you know, for one, it's Thursday, and tomorrow's Friday, so one more day, and then we get the weekend. Uh, it's like Christmas, but just really just in shorter doses. Um, and also, we're reviewing last night. So we will have another review. Um, when we record this, it probably comes out via Friday. Uh, if you're listening to it, but we'll have another show that we'll record Saturday. If you're new listeners, that where we'll review um, SmackDown and Raw, and I might throw a couple highlights in from Impact. Um, I just have to finish watching it. The show wasn't bad, but I was really tired Tuesday. Uh, I go to work at six o'clock in the morning, so bear with me on that. So I definitely want to rewatch it. I'm gonna put it actually in the background uh, while SmackDown's going on because I remember a little bit of it. And, uh, yeah, that's just a uh, that's a, a way to get around some of the problems I'll probably have with SmackDown. Is it bad that I'm perceiving it already that I'm probably not going to enjoy it that much, Chris? I mean, based on the booking for the past, like, three months, I think it's a fair assumption that you're probably going to suffer through it. You know, and I, I do have to give credit where credit is due. This is not the Raw recap, but Raw was actually a pretty easy show uh, compared to how it's been, but I don't think it helped them out in the ratings department. So there is that, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, should we, should we go over some of this stuff, Chris? Sure. Let's dive into it. All right. If we're going to dive into it, let's dive into it with starting with AEW, uh, AEW dynamite last night. Uh, pretty good show. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I told you this, Chris, and I don't mind bringing it up on air. And if you hate me for saying this and just being honest, that's fine. 
I thought both NXT and AEW were a bit underwhelming this week. It's not that the shows were bad. I just thought that in some places they were there. And I had a couple issues with both shows. Let's just put it that way. But um, I don't know. How, how are the shows uh, for you, Chris? I enjoyed them for the most part. Uh, I mean, it's not neither were the best of the sh- you know the best episodes ever of either product. But I, I thought the uh, the AEW show overall was pretty solid, and the NXT show pretty much the same. Nothing mind blowing. Um, some things on both shows I didn't necessarily like, but uh, I don't want to say I was underwhelmed. You know, it, it it wasn't. It definitely didn't blow my hair back. I, I'll say that. Your hair didn't get blown back. Kind of like Snoopy and then that one thing where he's listening to uh, the play of the bumblebees on the chair. They redid in Jackass, the movie. Second one, I think, with Ryan Dunn. Rest in peace. I don't know how the hell that just popped in my head, but uh, <laughs> I apologize to everyone. Uh, when, isn't that like the lo- Wasn't that like a logo for a speaker company for the longest time? Maybe it was like I think Jensen so. or something? I think so, yeah. All right, well, let's get into this review because I keep on talking about nonsense and maybe this will keep me on track. But uh, we started off AEW with the uh, the planned 10-man tag team match. Sorry, blah. Uh, with the inner circle going against Orange Cassidy, the best friends, and Jurassic Express with Marco's stunt. Um, towards the end of the more towards the end of the match I started liking it but at the beginning of this I thought it was a giant clusterfuck uh, um, I'm starting to realize that I'm becoming cranky Jim Ross about some of this because when he says certain things I'm like that that's what I'm talking about but it's true the one thing that it's hard for you, you bury the referee basically in a lot of situations like this. It's hard to be able to tell who the legal person is in a fucking tag match sometimes on AEW, let alone having this many people in the ring. Yeah, there were some fun antics. Yeah, there were some fun spots. But a lot of it, like, I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting sick of the trope, since I know Cody likes to use that word a lot, the the, the new trope, not the old trope, but the trope of... All right, here we go. We got people on the outside. One dive. All right, and here's in one corner off the ring. Oh, oh, he's off the top thing. And I, NXT does it too. Wrestling just does it in general, and I just kind of, I just kind of get sick of it. And I think Jr. said something to the extent of was like, "Oh my God, that's so amazing. They were right there to catch him just perfectly." And I do see that. And some of the stuff was sloppy. I, there was a part where where uh, Luchasaurus got tagged in. He got you know, tad and strong and he just went ape shit. And there was stuff that I liked about it, but it just seems consistently they do these in their tag matches. And it's not the believability that kills me. I can get into any type of match, like a Lucha Libre match. It's just, I get lost in it. And, uh, I guess some of those spots to the outside that I know I see coming, you know, especially like, like I said, when it's one person, then the other person, another person, Marco stunt was fucking, you know, interfering right in front of Aubrey. It's just like a lot of that type of stuff just takes me out of it. I hate to be like that, but that's just me with, with honesty. And I don't know. Um, like I said, it was a lot of cool shit. Uh, towards the end, they started getting stuff back together. But for a long time, I thought it was just basically like, a you know, the final Final Destinations 2 car crash. 
where the fucking log goes through the window, if you guys know what I'm talking about. Anyways, Chris, with uh, more 90s references, I'm going to figure out a way to put in Saved by the Bell for the next thing. Uh, what did you think What did you think of this match? Well, there was a couple cool spots here and there, but overall, I, the match itself I didn't think was, was very good, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and the finish didn't help it at all. I, I mean, you, you get a distraction finish to set re, try to reset up Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Um just kind of weird and I don't know going with that storyline but I mean it, there's fucking 10 people in this match and they all got distracted by Matt Hardy's music it's just one of those things that uh, much like you were saying kind of takes you out of it um, a bit I forgot about the ending completely that's another <laughs> thing hey Sammy you're back you're gonna get pinned after Matt Hardy screws you over and distracts your whole entire team <laughs> So that part was a little weird. I mean, I thought there were some decent spots and stuff in the match. It's just one of those. I, I'm never a fan of these big multi-men tag team matches, as, as everyone who listens to the show knows. By far, wasn't to me wasn't and wasn't my favorite thing. I mean, it wasn't hard to watch. There wasn't. I wasn't going to say there wasn't botches everywhere, but then Luchasaurus's mask popped off like midway through the match at one point. Um, but oh my god! <laughs> I forgot about that too. But that—that's kind of how I felt about it. I mean, it just—it wasn't very good. Yeah, uh, I have to agree with you. Uh, I hope it's not going to be one of these nights. Um, I don't know how it is on your end with me, but you kind of went out like twice during that. Just to warn you, uh, sometimes you got to talk about the stuff on air to be able to, you know tell everybody and for some reason guys we're using skype and lately we've been having issues so we apologize if you guys have heard us go in and out before i don't know if we can really do anything about it. uh we both have good connections it's just you know the internet and stuff man what are you gonna do but um yeah just and i'm glad that we got jericho to come out later on and for a little bit of a segment because it kind of would have been a complete waste but um just not the best way to start off Although it kept my attention a lot more than the uh, the women's tag match that I was watching at the same time in NXT that I had to go back and rewatch. That was actually a much more uh, structured match, I would say. But uh, next we had uh, the TNT Championship match. Cody doing his open challenges uh, with Arn Anderson in his corner. And as advertised, the indie champion. Um, I know that you could just be the champion of the indies. But uh, Warhorse. Which uh, I kind of I've heard of this guy. He's been on my radar a couple weeks ago. This got brought up, and he gets kept on getting talked about. And then Cody and Arn Anderson were in an actual interview. They were talking about something, and someone asked like, "Who's uh, who would you like to take on in the future?" And Arn was like, "Hey, what about that warhorse kid?" or something like that. So it was probably obviously a work with those two. Uh, this was probably already done and established, but. I like the concept of what they're going for. Uh, before we go over the match, actually, I had a question for you, Chris, because I like this thing with the TNT title. It leaves a lot of uh, openings in the future uh, before we get with his match at Warhorse. You know, the fact that we could have someone else come out in this um, that would be kind of out of nowhere just for like a one-off. Um, it, it brings a lot of uh, choices. Um uh, you know, fuck, I don't give a shit if, like, Stephen Amell or David Arquette came or some shit just for one night. But I see a lot of people online thinking – it's so weird. It's like a, a two things. It's like 
either Cody is like Jeff Jarrett and TNA or, or Triple H and WWE, and he just has a bunch of like you know people so he can bury and just like build his record, or people are complaining that he's giving too much time to his competitors. So basically, everyone's a fucking bitch on the internet. What do you think about all that? Yeah, I mean, people are going to complain about every anything, right? So uh, I think it's a cool idea simply because it makes you want to see who's going to pop up on the show when they book one of these matches. Um, you know, I, they gave us a little bit of the War Horse tease, but in theory, you can just do this week after week, right, with someone different. Um, next week, we're getting a tag match, so it's going to be a break from that TV title. Maybe people will calm down a bit, but... Uh, you know, it's interesting. I didn't really know that much about Warhorse. You sent some things over. I went and watched some matches. Um, kind of a cool gimmick, a neat character to bring on. And I thought the match itself was was pretty decent overall. Kind of slow in some spots, but that that could be typical to a lot of Cody matches, depending on who he's facing. Yeah, the the gimmick itself, as funny as it is, since he's definitely indie-rific, if you will, you would expect him to do really well in something like PWG. Um, his his gimmick, though, is pretty much intense 80s babyface. Like, he's a big fan of Macho Man Randy Savage. He's a big fan. The funny thing is you would think that he's a big fan of Ultimate Warrior. Apparently, he's not. He, he started off in a tag team, and it was more of like an LOD tribute at the time. And he kind of, when they broke up, he kept that version of his character and kept on going with it. But obviously, there has to be some Warrior. He's just not talking about dextrosity or whatever the fuck weird shit warrior was talking about or grunting for that matter but a little bit of like babyface piper you can just tell that he kind of took a little bit of their method sting you know and kind of combined them you know i'm not comparing them because i think mjf's on a different level than a lot of new talent but much to the same concept that mjf acquires a lot of stuff from 80s heels you know with rick rude uh heel piper you know uh rick flair obviously tully and kind of makes it his own, you know, it's, it's fun as a throwback, but yeah, I thought at first it started with like a lot of holds and stuff like that, and they kind of did some stuff on the ground, it progressed to, you know, them going a lot more faster paced, battling outside a little bit, um, I thought that, uh, I thought Warhorse did well, um, I get people's complaint with Cody on the sense that, you know, it's like he can't fucking have long ass matches with every person that, you know, a lot of them are presented. They're not well known or but if that's how Cody is, I don't think he's going to change that. He wants to have competitive matches. And that's kind of what builds him as a character in general, even though it's an extension of obviously him as a person. But I actually I like that value about it. I will say that the ending was good. Uh, he went for the elbow drop, little macho man elbow drop um, that didn't work out. And shortly after that, he would be in the crossroads. But after the match, for some reason, the the Dark Order came out and it started attacking um, Cody. Uh, I forgot what it's it's the the two other lackeys that don't have to wear masks for some reason. I forgot what their names are. And um, Warhorse tried to help him out. They kind of got the better of him. And then we premiere Zack Ryder, aka Macadona, his first night on Dynamite. Just coming to save Cody real quick. He looked jacked as fuck. It was funny online. I kind of laughed at this. I kind of rolled my eyes too, but I, I, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Uh, so I got to like go to something that's similar to it with, with uh, Twitter. 
And it was on one of the comment sections for one of the posts about the match or whatever. And they're like, oh, cool. They just premiered Indie Ultimate Warrior and WWE Smiley uh, Randy Savage on uh, AEW or something to that extent. I, I, I got a kick out of it. But I am happy that Matt's there. I don't know if Warhorse is just a temporary thing. If if he isn't, you know, I would say I'd like to see him. Like, he's not – I mean, he's bigger than Adam Cole. But, I mean, he could he could put on some muscle and I think really look effective. And I like his old school style, uh, you know, promos, and I would have liked a little bit more uh, that. But when it goes down to Matt Cadona, I wish that they would have premiered him differently, Chris. You know, I, I to me, why not have a situation where Warhorse and Cody battle the uh, the two guys, um, and they 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 win, scare them off. You know, Cody raises his Warhorse's hand or whatever, and then. Next week, premiered that Cody maybe get an interview him in the back and stuff like that. And Cody's like, I want to take both of those guys on. And I'm, I have someone in my corner uh, that I think is going to be a good person to go against him. And then Matt comes out the next week as his mystery tag partner. You know, I think that would have been a little more of an impact or, or a lot of different ways. But I am happy that Matt's there. It is awesome to have him there. And I hope that they use, use him and utilize him. To the the same extent that I hope that Impact utilizes Heath Slater. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I a lot of the things that you touched on were some of the same problems that I had with the match. I, I thought the match itself was pretty decent overall. It's, uh, you know, it's Cody working with someone he's I don't think he's ever worked with before. You get some slow spots. I think the announcing has done a good job of showing why maybe Cody is getting taken advantage in some of these matches, why he's giving these guys the rub so to speak is is that his mind is just elsewhere he's got too much going on he's getting cocky too and he's getting cocky and he's starting to it's starting to play into how he's wrestling these matches so towards the end of the match in in theory warhorse was winning the match the majority of the match but cody you know kind of pulls the old school rick flair i mean i wish he would have threw a chalk block in or something but uh you know he just immediately starts going off uh, after his leg then Warhorse, uh, Warhorse goes for a double stomp, and, and his knee just gives out, and Cody locks him up into the figure four, and that's it. Game over, right? Which is seems like a very Ric Flair thing. Um, the aftermath, I thought, was pretty good outside of the Cardona. I just thought it was kind of a waste of a debut. Um, it was funny seeing Arn take off the Rolex like he was about to whip some ass. I got, I got pretty oh, hyped yeah. on that. That's so awesome. <laughs> it's uh, that's such the figure four or not figure four, but the uh, four horsemen thing to do. We all got to take our rollies off before we whip that ass. Uh, so hard taking the Rolex off might have been the highlight of the match for me. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for Matt Cardona to be there. I'm excited for the tag match they're going to have next week. It's just for as as hyped as people were for him to show up on one of these products, you would expect the debut to be a little bit bigger or even announced beforehand. Um, potentially, but you know, they went with this and it's going to be fine. He's going to be on the show next week. He's fucking huge. Um, I guess when, you know, with Corona and not working as much and just being able to be having time just to focus on bodybuilding and, uh, your wrestling figure pod podcast, you can get as jacked as, uh, <laughs> Matt Cardona. If you put the work in, uh, he makes a lot of people on this fucking roster look small. I know that. So, yeah. We'll see see how that goes. Much like, uh, you know, if you put him in the ring with, you know, Brian Cage, once again, he's one of those guys that looks – some of the big guys that they brought in, 
he's going to make them not look as impressive. So you got to be careful against who you, who you book him against, depending on who you're trying to build um, in some of this scenario. But yeah, I'm excited for the tag match. I'm excited for Matt Cardona to be there. I think they are going to utilize him. Um, I'm assuming they're going to do something with him and Cody against each other down the road for this title. Yep. Uh, which would which would make sense that they're building it this way. It's just I there could have been something bigger done with the debut itself. Yeah, I mean you said it with the flair stuff. It's like Cody is literally he 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 was in an interview and I mean I don't know how much I really believe this because like I mean Cody's not Lou Fez, but he was just saying like modern wrestlers like you know it's an older trope to have heels and babyface that he's a competitor and he he goes down the line and it's like okay whatever you know I, unless you turn heel the next fucking week or whatever or do something heelish right now you're technically a baby face even though you're getting a little bit frustrated but i will say though as a performer it's like he channels flair for anything heelish he does or you know to try to escape matches or when he gets pissed off and he channels sting for a lot of the baby face aspects i mean it makes a lot of sense but it's awesome that it's, it's kind of like he's He's definitely taken from both of them with with the this version of Cody, and I think this has been the most prominent version of Cody to date. Yeah, and I you know I like the I like the way that they're selling the character. Him saying stuff like that in interviews, I would just expect that from anyone, especially if they don't know where the character is headed right away. Um, yeah, but but he's been able to do both. He's been able to work as a heel if need be, and, and work as a babyface when needed. And as this TV champion and bringing in all of these different uh, people from kind of everywhere he's gonna have to play like a little bit of a shade of gray until they decide all right now it's time for him to lose this title and maybe snap or or, you know flip flip his fucking lid which is something they're probably going to do with a bigger star or or, or a well-known quantity someone like matt cardona it would make a little sense um for for him to potentially take the title right and that's what makes cody snap and, and maybe even become or maybe it's what causes him to go full rick flair and just cheat his ass off. Uh, I mean, Arn is still out there Woo! at ringside. So, you know, all, all he has to do is start letting Arn get involved in his matches, and then you can have the, the descent however you want, realistically. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like the direction they're headed with Cody, and I've liked what they've done with the TV titles so far. So I'm not willing to get super excited about it, but I'm also not willing to just, like, fucking bury it like some people are. I know a lot of people are just upset because some of these indie stars are coming in and they're really excited to see them and they're losing. And if, if you're, if you were ex WWE fan or something, it does, it does kind of come off as like the U S uh, challenge thing with John Cena. Yeah. So, you know, I would just, I would quantify that by saying that gave us Kevin Owens to some extent. Right. So just let it play out. And I think the matches have been pretty good. There's nothing been like super terrible with Cody, this title run that Cody's had. Absolutely. And one last question about this, and then we'll move on. Um, so from your theory, and I think that you've got every right to think that, that's exactly where I'm going to, is Matt going to basically turn on Cody after they win the match next week? Like, just take him out. Is 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 Matt going to go heel, or are we going to have this as more of like a competitive sort of situation between friends that goes in a worse direction, something like that? I mean, I feel like it's uh, maybe he takes Cody to the limit, you know, and Cody wins the first match and then down the line he challenges him again and they just continue to sprinkle in 
where Cody's in trouble. Um, and Matt continues to be his friend. The, the only thing they have to be careful with here is this. They did the storyline with MJF to some extent. So to me, you can't have the friend turn against Cody again. You really need kind of Cody to be the person who shifts or it's just too similar to what they did with MJF. I agree. All right. Well, let's move on. All right. So Jericho and the inner circle, uh, make their way back, uh, out onto AEW dynamite and Jericho is less than pleased. Uh, Le champion demands his rematch orange Cassidy in two weeks. If Cassidy loses, he has to pay Jericho $7,000 for the jacket that he's still wearing and is somehow getting oranger. I love this shit. In the meantime, Jericho and Cassidy will have a debate next week with a special guest moderator that I hope is fucking Scott Steiner just for a one-night thing. Anyways, um, uh, and it, the point is that Santana thinks uh, Jericho's, uh, smell, <laughs> Jericho's jacket smells like Cappy. Uh, <laughs> and then he tells him to stop wearing it when Jericho gets mad and everyone's looking at him. Like, you know, well, it, it does make sense. Like, why is he wearing that? Anyways, uh, but I thought that was just a funny sketch. Uh, we had another funny sketch right after that where FTR is officially signing their AEW contract. So, yep, what I asked you about, if it was a work, it was definitely a work. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they honestly signed their shit a long time ago and have just been using this as a way to – even the stuff with, with Cornette, I'm, I, I'm 100% thinking that some of that was just, you know, them – creating some aura, but uh, I love that they're going to have a tag team appreciation night in August. That's one of their stip- uh, stipulations. And that, that during their matches, at least, people have to use the tag ropes and do certain things. So Arn Anderson was there to uh, be the person to go over the contracts. So that's also kind of uh, interesting that he was there. But, um, you know, I, th- I thought that was a pretty funny segment. What did you think about both these segments? The one with uh, Chris Jericho and the rest of the inner circle and his uh, jacket smelling like Cat Pete. And then also Arn Anderson uh, conducting the contract signing for FTR and AEW. Uh, the, the segment with Santana was fucking hilarious. And they just continue to be one of my favorite things in wrestling. So I really enjoyed that. Um, the FTR segment, I like the idea. I like the idea of... Um, very, very strict tag rules. I think you have to be careful on how you do it because then if you decide you're just going to go back to what the fuck ever afterwards, you're going to have a split audience on people being like, man, I really liked when they did like actual tag rules. And then you're going to have people who's like, well, man, I really liked when like the Lucha Brothers were not just doing whatever the fuck they wanted. So <laughs> I, I think that's a, a fine line in the sand to some extent. So they got to be careful on how they do that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting for sure. And I, I wonder what a tag team appreciation night looks like. Is it just all tag matches the entire time? On August 12th, that's what I'm hoping. Just do all tag matches. Fuck it. I don't think anyone's really ever done that. I, not that I can think of in recent years at all. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's cool. It's a cool idea. Uh, I'm excited to see what random tag teams get thrown in here or who they bring in. Like, that's another... That's another thing. Do they bring in some tag teams? Do we see some people we haven't possibly haven't seen because they've been bringing people in for you know one-offs? Um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's I, I just the, I guess the end goal of this night is it's it's not really a tournament, so all the matches are going to be separate. I'm assuming, and it's just it's just tag team matches trying to put on good matches. Yeah, probably. 
Yeah. My only worry is if they tried to did like if they tried were trying to do like a tournament to see who would win that night, and then you gotta go through. I don't want them to burn through what they have with FTR and and uh, the the Jackson brothers, uh, the Young Bucks. So they got to, you know, it's a lot of stuff that could potentially come out of that. I mean, the end goal is for those. I'm assuming the top three tag teams being Kenny Omega, Adam Page, uh, the Young Bucks, and FTR to all win against their various opponents. And I just don't, I mean, I guess you have those three tag teams. You have SEU, you have Evil Uno, and I, why I cannot think of his name right now off the top Stu of my head. Stu Grayson. Stu Grayson, who's been awesome, as, by the as, way. As, as JR will call him, Dick Stu Grayson or Stu Dick Grayson. <laughs> he's been uh, he's been great, by the way, as of late. Yes. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's a bunch of tag teams there. And that's still, that's not including Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and... That's one thing is they do have a pretty big tag team roster. So if a company was going to do that, this would be the one you would point to and say, okay, well, like they can keep this entertaining, right? So, yep. uh, yeah, it's 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 uh it's going to be exciting. I think that I I would be curious to see how much people really love tag team wrestling versus how much they say they love tag team wrestling if the ratings just completely shift during an all tag match show. <laughs> They're testing the waters for sure. Um, I forgot that uh, until it's reminded me to wrap up the segment. Hangman Page comes out uh, and it's all awkward, you know, with his little man crush over FTR. And he's got a bottle of Jack Daniels and he has, you know, glass or uh, shot glass for everyone. And he pours his all the way to the fucking top, pours everyone a shot, including Arn Anderson. Arn was like Arn, who I don't think drinks anymore, really. I was like, I'm good, and grabs it and throws it into Dax's uh, thing. And then afterwards, when they all take their shot, like, you know, uh, uh, Hangman's like, oh, man, I would definitely pour too much. And one of them was like, nope, you got to keep on drinking it. I think it was Cash was like, nope. And he starts chugging the freaking Jack Daniels while it goes off. I thought that was pretty funny. A little wrap up. What, what, what's going on with Hangman Page and, and, uh, and, and FTR, man? Do they love each other? It seems like it. And what what the hell's going on with Brody Lee and Kenny Omega? Is he getting in Kenny Omega's head to convince him to join the Dark Order? I don't know. That plays into this next match very heavily at the very end. Yeah, and uh, the match was pretty awesome. We had the AEW Tag Team Championship match. Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega going against Dark Order, well, uh, Dark Order, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson. Damn good tandem offense. I thought it was a very coherent tag match. Um, I think Evil Uno has lost a lot of weight. He looks really good uh, compared to, obviously, when they first started and he was presented with his outfit. I think that he's definitely coming into his own. The one thing I think that's that Dark Order suffers from is, like, a lot of stuff that has to do with their online stuff. They've been doing these awesome segment, segments, Chris. I don't know if you've seen any of the Being the Elite lately. Of the Dark Order's meetings. And, like, obviously they do all the comic stuff. But when it comes to this, it's usually Brody Lee, you know, just going off on his whole entire unit. And at the end of it, he usually ends up beating the crap out of uh, Evil Uno. Um, so it kind of adds a lot of character dynamic that we don't get to see. But at the same time, like you said, Stu Grayson, very efficient in-ring wrestler. Their finisher that they do, and I can't really remember it enough to describe it. But how Evil Uno basically does does uh, you know they have them both 
one down and one in the corner right next to him, and Evil Uno jumps up and does the cannonball to the person in the corner while Grayson does, like, I think a backflip or maybe it's a uh, uh, 450 uh, splash on the other person. They're really good as a tag team. I want to see them more presented as a tag team instead of just in the background. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good match. And at the end, you know, they lost. Uh, Mr. Brody Lee beats up Uno and Grayson. Brody turns his attention to Hangman and Kenny, or H- Hangman and Omega, and says, Kenny, thanks for actually showing up this week. Um, so he was giving him shit for actual, you know, last two times not being there for Adam Page. And then the Dark Order goons jump out of the crowd and surround the ring. Uh, you had Matt and Nick Jackson run in, help them out, who were watching the match, and then FTR made the save. So if you couldn't figure it out, I mean, if we didn't have enough people in the fucking ring last time, we're going to be doing FTR, uh, the Young Bucks, and Kenny and Hangman versus the Dark Order in a six-on-six match next week. So that should be a clusterfuck. Um, but yeah, I loved I loved all of this. I liked Mr. Brody Lee getting on to Kenny. I like Kenny's kind of descent into madness, which it seems like it's definitely kind of slowly trickling that way. Um, and how it's kind of like aloof if, like, FTR is cool with the Young Bucks, vice versa. You know, there's tension. It, at first, I wanted them just to go straight after each other, but I like what they're building. I, I'm going to go along with the story. And uh, like I said, I think that we don't give enough credit to Super Smash Bros., Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. I think that they're really good in the ring and shouldn't just be background toys. But um, I liked all of this, pretty much. What did you think, Chris? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that, you know, as a tag team, outside of that initial tag tournament, we haven't seen that much of them on the main product. Um, But here, with good competition, I thought this was easily the match, the best match on the show. Um, There's one spot where... The, 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 there's obviously the spot you're talking about where you get like uh, the, the 450 while Evil Uno is doing a cannonball, which just looks sick as fuck. But my favorite spot in the entire match is Adam Page bounces off. Uh, he, he basically runs the ropes twice and clotheslines the absolute shit out of Grayson. <laughs> Grayson, yeah. goes ass, Grayson goes ass over tea kettle, and it's like one of the best lariats I've seen in a long time. And I thought the match overall was really good. The, the beginning with, with Kenny getting pissed off, like what's your what are you doing? You can't attack them before the match plays into kind of what happened with him the week before where they're like, Hey, you can't continue to attack him after the match. So like Kenny, not understanding how ring bells works is <laughs> it's interesting. Um, and I liked Brody Lee, you know, continuously kind of digging and, and, and being manipulative, uh, manipulative, uh, manipulating, uh, the team, the, their team specifically with, uh, at least you showed up this week. Why did you show up this week? Why, why did you show up this week, Kitty? And just repeatedly saying it and Kitty slowly being, well, slowly losing his mind and FTR coming out, you know, kind of to make the, the overall save. It just points to that team eventually breaking up. And, and then after that, what is what are you doing with Kenny? And it, it, right now it's pointing to Kenny's going to be the one to snap. Um and maybe he takes the elite with him, depending on how that goes. And we mm-hmm. get like a, a heel faction, which we've been talking about for a while. And I think they're doing a really good job of, of doing a slow burn with it. So uh, I enjoyed the shit out of this. This is probably my my favorite thing on the show, minus Arn taking that Rolex off. I'm going to whoop his ass. <laughs> uh, 
All right, we had a kind of a short match, I would say, with our women's champion, Hikiroshita, in a non-title against Diamante. Diamante beat Ivelisse, which I don't think a lot of us thought was going to happen, but she's been signed with the company. Ivelisse, I don't know if they finalized anything with her. I would like to see her more. I thought she was awesome in Lucha Underground and a lot of the other stuff I've seen her with AAA. So I I would hope that, you know, the whole she's bad in the locker room, we can kind of get over that, be adults, and put on good wrestling matches because I want the women's division to be strong. They got they got some great females, but they could definitely use – I didn't think they could use Tessa, but, you know, whatever. You know, it's, it's a, it has a lot of potential. I'll just put it that way. But this match didn't help. They seemed like they were a rush. They still did everything they could do within, like, the five minutes that they were given. They kind of messed up one spot. I don't remember exactly what happened. I don't know if it was a Canadian destroyer or a flip powder. It was something like that that Diamante kind of messed up. But, you know, Hikurashita won, and uh, it it was it was good. She she got the Falcon Arrow um, to win the match. Uh, but, yeah, what did you think about this match, Chris? Um, there was a lot of... Sheeta having to wait for Diamante to get to where the fuck she was supposed to be in a couple of botches here and there. None of which that I completely blamed on Sheeta. So I think that's maybe just a learning experience. That yep. wheelbarrow spot, uh, it's like Sheeta was waiting for her to get set up to do that wheelbarrow spot forever towards the end of the match. And then um, there was that one really cool spot, which I think it was like a... Uh, it was like a... It was a stalling almost a blue thunder bomb or a Mikinokuchu driver out of a stalling suplex, which I thought was really fucking awesome from Sheeta. Um, that eventually led to the, to that, the shining wizard or whatever. But, uh, there was some good stuff in this match, but it was kind of just a, a clusterfuck. A little bit of a cluster, little bit of a cluster. All right. Um, we had, what were you going to say? Uh, one thing I forgot to comment on for the Evil East thing, if people are really worried about her locker room attitude, you know, it's a contract, right? In the contract that you have the ability to terminate it whenever needed, right? I mean, there's ways around stuff like that. So, I, do you think that some of these people that have this issue, male or female, would have been able to deal with the '80s at all? Oh, with locker room issues. I yes. mean, they, they would they would have to because eventually, like, there's always someone bigger and meaner than you. Just kind of petty a little <laughs> bit sometimes. It's, yeah. That's all I'm yeah. saying. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it, that's a weird one. They, they It seems like they're probably going to do some signings here because the next thing we get into is this rules, which I think was what you were going to hit next for this giant tag tournament thing. Is, is that the next thing? I have, um... We can go over that. I'm trying to see. You know what? I don't think it covers that, but that's actually really friggin' important. Is that we had um, we had Vicky Guerrero and um, uh, Nyla Rose uh, come up. Basically, what they're doing is a tag. The tag tournament's going to be um, random for the women, and they kind of set it up. It's with colors, but it reminds me of how they used to do the Royal Rumble with the numbers and stuff like that. Of like just finding out who it is. Now, I got to admit, I didn't even know who this, this lady was <laughs> once they premiered her, but I like the idea of having random tag teams made up for a tournament they're going to do yearly to give all the women something to do and try to see, you know, do chemistry, get a lot of stuff going on. Um, I think this is all a great idea. I hope they don't go too random with the pairings, though. 
And uh, the person they introduced, I forgot what her name was, uh, or what she premiered last night as, but she was Cameron, um, a part of the Funkasaurus with Naomi in WWE. Uh, if you guys want to know exactly who that is, she was in the Tough Enough season with Stone Cold Steve Austin, where Austin asked her what her favorite match of all time was, and she said Melina versus, uh, what the hell's her name? Alicia Fox. Um, and Austin gave her a lot of shit, but... Uh, she was with Naomi. She was a part of the Funkadactyls. Funka, I don't know what the hell, the hell they were called. That was before. The Funkadactyls. <laughs> so she's the partner of her. Great. I'm a little, you know, underwhelming, I would say, Chris. But, uh, hey, you know, whatever. One person I actually, if she's not retired 100%, grab Alicia Fox. I never thought she was bad in the ring. I thought, thought she was a pretty cool character. And she got, I think she left the WWE not too long ago, so I was thinking about that. But, uh, yeah, definitely not the best match of all time if you're talking to Stone Cold, her and fucking Molina. <laughs> um, but what do you what do you think about this, the concept itself, having this as a yearly thing to kind of, like, let the women kind of branch out and show their strengths uh, with all these tag teams? Uh, in a couple of weeks when they do that tag team appreciation night, they can do that a part of it to put it in there. They said they made it look like they're going to do part of it on YouTube and then part of it on the show. So I don't know exactly know how that works. Maybe it's like the Mae Young Classic where they had like the smaller matches on the network and then premiered some of the bigger matches later on. I don't know, but um, it's all interesting. Uh, and and what did you think about Nia's uh, Nyla? I should say her partner. Yeah, so I guess she's going by the ring name Ariane Andrew or Ariana Andrew is what I have here, and. It's just so awkward because she was like, I'm back. And the very first thing I thought of was like, I don't think I've seen you on the AEW product, so how can you be back? But I guess she means back in wrestling. Um, but that was a little off-putting. And I don't know that this Vicky Guerrero, I, I, I don't want to sour on it after one week, but I don't know where the hell they're going with this Vicky Guerrero, Nyla Rose thing. Um, I, I, I'm assuming they're giving her a what's what would be considered a weaker partner so that she can look strong in this tournament and you don't have to worry about making her win the entire thing. Um, that would be my guess. But the, the official rules, the, what, what I remember is the tournament, what it's a tournament's a random draw. All competitors must draw a color matching colors will become the team. And the biggest part to me here is selections are final and can't be appealed, which means you can't be like, okay, I want to trade partners. Um, that that locks them into this. I mean, obviously there's some fuckery you can do with this to set up the teams the way you want, but it's going to be interesting. I think I kind of liked it better when people were potentially choosing their own partners, but it does make for some interesting, uh, interesting tag teams down the line. Um, I, isn't this what they did for the mixed challenge on in WWE? Wasn't that all randomly drawn, supposedly? Yeah, sure. Not that we talked a lot about the Mixed Match Challenge since it was mostly all on Facebook, but I'm pretty sure that was how... I'm pretty sure that's how they made their tag teams, is that it was like it was supposed to be like a random drawing, and that's kind of how you got weird, like, Miz in Asuka. Because, like, in, in the product, Miz and... Like, at the time, Asuka was a babyface, and Miz was a swarmy heel with... Uh, Maurice is his manager. So they kind of just threw a bunch of people together and used like a random drawing as that. So, but to take that and kind of utilize it here, I think it's it's fine. I'm excited to see what they do with it. But uh, this segment kind of sucks. 
<laughs> the actual drawing with Nyla Rose, it was it was not great. Yeah, well, I have to agree with you. But I am looking forward to this tournament. All right, so then we have the MJF State of the Industry Address. So more, just like the debate, more on the lines of, uh, you know, poking fun of uh, American politics and what's unfortunately going to happen with the reality TV show of old man who's ignorant versus other old man who's ignorant and orange. So can't wait to listen to all that dog shit. But anyways, he was playing off that, coming to the ring. Uh, when he made his entrance, they went to a picture on picture. Uh, fortunately, I was watching the Fightful version. So I got to watch him go around the ring, you know, fill up that whole entire break, like shaking people's hands. He kissed the fake baby. Um, just a bunch of funny ass shit. As soon as they get in the ring, he just lets them have it. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of wanted to start the hashtag not my champion and MJF 2020 claiming that at all in they need a new champion. They need someone better. Uh, and that is obviously him. He is undefeated. He challenged, uh, M- or what he called, um, he didn't say a stone cold ripoff, but he, he uses wording to basically suggest that whole entire concept. Um, a guy who came from a place of Titans isn't new, brother, is one of the things that MJF just digging into this whole entire thing, digging into the structure of some of their matches, kind of like FTR is a bit. Um, you know, and and uh, giving shit to some of the the stuff that the 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 Jim Cornette isms, if you will, is what MJF was definitely playing on. And uh, yeah, we're gonna get him and Moxley at All Out. And Chris, I thought this fucking promo was awesome. I thought the presentation was great. I love that he came out with people and that he had someone even there holding mouthwash for him, fucking while he came down. Like this was the most ridiculous shit. But I'm gonna make a prediction right now. I think. The person that's going to end up taking off that title is going to be MJF, unless Wardlow fucks it up for him, and that's how they keep it on Moxley. But honestly, if it were me, I'd put the title on MJF. I think Moxley's had a fine run, and it's time to do something else, and All Out's kind of supposed to be the restart period. So start with the biggest swarmy heel as the fucking champion to piss everyone else off is what I would like to see. And I love Moxley. Just saying. What do you think? I think that makes a lot of sense. Unfortunately for Moxley, he had a bunch of time off that I think, to me, hurt his title run a little bit. But he's came back and he's been on fire the past two weeks. So his promo earlier in the night, was it earlier in the night? I can't remember if it was earlier than this, but fucking Moxley cut an awesome promo also. Um, that was just very old school, hey, I'm here, I'm going to whip your ass and rip your arm off and beat you to death with it kind of thing. Um, he's but, good at those. Yeah, it turns out if you just let Moxley be Moxley, he is getting more intense and crazy in his voice, similar to what he was doing in CZW. So I have hope that eventually he's just going to snap fully. Not that I mean, he's already fucking unhinged. That's the character. But there's like another level that he can go to if he wants to. I loved this MJF promo. The only thing I will say is they need to be careful about calling out shit on their own product. Like say like specifically talking about how these matches are just trying to look good and do these big spots. That's not wrestling. Like saying that kind of stuff. It I know that th- there should be an aspect of of this shit's real, which is what they said they were going to be going for 
when they started AEW is one of the things I like that wins and losses mattered and that this shit was supposed to be real. And you start blurring the lines with these worked shoot promos to some extent. But the promo itself, like the the, the stuff inside of it, outside of that, just a, a nitpicky thing, I thought was fucking very good. And the whole presentation of it from the start of him just walking out of his dressing room and looking at a photo of himself uh, shows that this guy's fucking really, really good. So I could easily see him becoming the the champion that or the person that takes the belt off Moxley. It would make a lot of sense. My biggest thing with it is it to me it makes sense because when you have MJF there as a champion, now every fucking major big person within AEW, even if they're like even if Kenny's heel by then, even if we're talking about Chris Jericho, they still want to kick fucking MJF's ass. So it's like he is the perfect person to put to be a foil for anyone on the fucking roster. Um, he's already got history with a lot of the, the smaller guys that you're building, and he has obviously history with Cody. He's got uh, you know a rivalry that's that's so far been you know good and beneficial in the past with him and Chris Jericho. But you know he gets that fucking title. Jericho's not going to be happy about that. You know there's there's so many things that you can do against him, and obviously you would want you know, probably a uh, a match where Moxley gets a rematch and whatnot. But I, I think that – I think there's a lot of potential uh, for MJF with the title. And I wouldn't mind him having it for a minute and just kind of being that fucking douchebag. Even after he loses Wardlow, just let him actually just be a good competitor that cheats a win but, you know, wins the matches. Uh, he doesn't have to rely on a bodyguard or anything like that, you know. He does have that flair aspect to him. So I think that there's only good things that could come out of that, but we'll have to wait until, uh, you know, Labor Day weekend to find out on All Out. Yeah, and whether or not that match doesn't spin into some three- or four-way also. That's a good point. So it, you still got Brian Cage out there looming, and Darby Allen next week for the title, yep. right? Yep. That's, that's happening before uh, this match, so, I mean... Fuck, for all we know, Darby Allen could be the champion next week if they decide to go that route. Um, that would be crazy. It would be a big kind of crazy moment. You can get MJF and Ricky Starks involved. That It ends up costing Moxley the match. You build that feud, and then you get Darby Allen versus MJF, which would be kind of opposite of what you know MJF was promoing about or who he was promoing directly against. That's the only reason I think they are probably going to stick with what, what you're saying. But uh, as far as Wardlow goes, I mean... He can wait until you can hold off on them splitting up until MJF has the title, and then you can do the Sid, the Sid Sean thing, or the the Diesel Sean thing if you want to yeah. go that route. Um, yeah, just lay groundwork down right now, and then kind of that can happen later. You know, you can still keep on dipping dipping into that and not actually give the payoff right away like WWE likes to do. Yeah, and I, I will say AEW does do a, a good job with fucking actually seemingly booking their shows ahead of time so you know what the card is going to be like and have a general idea of where the story's going so i have faith that that this will turn out pretty well all right so our last match was uh john marks moxley and darby allen going against brian cage and ricky starks beforehand uh we had john moxley enter and then kind of awkwardly behind the stage directly uh you had ricky starks brian cage and taz uh, having an interview. I thought Ricky Stark sounded really good on the microphone. I liked the promo that he cut. Um, 
they kind of uh, pulled – actually, this is MJF too, like the Oscars thing where they start playing the music, like finish the fucking thing. Uh, but I thought that was good. They come out. They're making a joke about how Darby Allen apparently got hurt last week and he's not going to be there. So John Moxley's by himself. They come – they they enter the uh, arena. Uh, Darby's on a high platform above them. He jumps on all three of them, you know, knocks them all down, and then Moxley runs out there. It was pretty much a brawl. I like the part where um, Taz ran over to the booth, and JR was talking about, like, you know, a lot of times JR's right about things. It's one of those where he was like, you know, what's going on? Is this this is ridiculous? And, like, Taz had to be like, this is a tornado match. There's no there's no rules, JR. But the one thing I did not like, it's, it's kind of like what I was talking about. Okay, if you use this sparingly, once in a great while, it gets a great reaction. But I also don't need to see the spot all the damn time anyways. Um, but it's like topes. It's like super uh, fucking uh, super kicks. It's like fucking uh, seeing a million Canadian destroyers. If you keep on doing them over and over again, you do them in every match, they don't look they don't look like they hurt you for one thing, and they just don't look like it's supposed to be an effective move, which is kind of ridiculous if you think about it. But um, the, thum- the thumbtack skateboard that inevitably would get the win uh, because Ricky Starks was knocked down and Darby did a coffin drop with his skateboard that had thumbtacks onto Ricky Starks falling on top of him. Instantly looked like he was like he made the worst decision doing that and then gets pinned while, uh, you know, uh, Brian Cage is getting held in an arm bar outside by John Moxley. Uh, Ricky's back was so torn up because and there are, it's all over fucking Twitter. It looked terrible. Because as the skateboard came down on him, some of the tacks came out in his back, and a good majority of them stayed on the skateboard and just, you know, scratched forward and made these giant gashes. So, yeah, that that, that was a uh, – we just had it last week. I don't think we needed another thumbtack uh, spot. I think he could have done something else uh, personally to me, but it is Darby Allen and fucking John Moxley, so I guess there's that. But, uh, yeah, afterwards – you know, uh, Brian Cage and, and uh, Ricky Starks goes and licks their wounds uh, with Taz, uh, and we got find out from Tony, Tony Schiavone that we're going to have Moxley and Allen in the ring for the title next week. thought the match was fine, sloppy in a lot of parts. Um, I thought Starks was a little bit sloppy. You can tell that he's greener or maybe at least nervous, uh, but just it was... It was a fucking brawl. It was supposed to be that. I could have done without the thumbtacks. I can do without also, and we'll talk about it with the uh, <laughs> the women's match with uh, uh, Mackenzie taking, uh, whatchamacallit, and giving her a suplex off the fucking top rope. I, I swear to God, I just saw that somewhere else. That was like in the Okada Omega match, one of those spots I didn't need to see, or like the fucking reverse Arana on the outside. Can we stop doing shit like that or stuff on the fucking edge of the ring? Jesus Christ. Anyways. Chris, what do you think? I like the match for the most part. I think that everyone in this match fucking botched something except for John Moxley. And that's not me just being a John Moxley mark. I went back and watched it again today. Um, and there's a lot of spots between Starks and Darby Allen that are just super fucked up in this match. And then there's one where, like, there's one that's so simple, which is like, I think it's Brian Cage throws Ricky Starks a fucking trash can and he just completely misses it <laughs> like it doesn't catch it. It's just little shit all over the place. that was just very sloppy. 
and as far as Darby dropping the tack board and it, it kind of fucking up um, Ricky's back a little bit, I'm sure that Darby Allen gave zero fucks after Ricky blasted him last week and gave him a concussion or whatever. So um, <laughs> I did like the uh, the intro. Well, to that the was match. kayfabe concussion. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess he still blasted the absolute shit out of him from behind without like, I don't know why he hit the guy as hard as he did. If you go back and watch that, we talked about or we If you listen to the show last week, he got absolutely fucking murdered by this guy right after coming back from injury. So it's like, I don't know the, the Ricky Starks has not been impressive to me in the ring. I think that he could use some more seasoning before being put in these kind of high profile matches uh, personally. But o- overall, I liked the ending of the match. I guess. I mean, I could have probably done... I don't think you really need a tag-covered skateboard if you're about to jump off the top rope and do a double foot stomp with a skateboard anyways. Um, but, you know, they went that route. I guess they're probably going to push that Darby Allen and, and Moxley are going to have an ex, like an extreme match next week or down the line, so maybe that's why they wanted to put that there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was it was good. I don't think they put over... I don't think they put over the arm bar that Moxley had Cage in enough on the ropes while the thumbtack thing was happening. Maybe that was just a little too much all at one time. But he had fucking Cage once again in an arm bar wrapped around these ropes for a very long extended period of time. And then once again, Cage kind of like no-sold it afterwards. That's what I was about to ask you. Okay. Uh, I figured. Uh, that's definitely something Taz needs to get on his ass about. All right, let's go into NXT. Well, just to, just to clear things up with AEW, like I said, I liked a lot of the stuff. Some of the stuff is more of like a lack of logic. Um, I think one of the kind of flaws AEW has is that I'm trying to think of like how to say this. It's kind of like you can do whatever, almost it seems like in a lot of ways. And I think creativity is great. But I like, obviously, certain other people doing it better than others, uh, like Cody, like MJF, Adam Page and Kenny, uh, Young Bucks, uh, FTR. And then it can just go fucking absolutely just crazy, you know, bunch of shit. Uh, So on that aspect, I wish they would get get a grasp on it. And, uh, you know, my my continuous thing, the thing is, it does, like, Brody Lee and the fucking, and the, uh, the, the, the order looked dumb. But if they put the segments that they put on, you know, being the elite on their main thing or promoted that or or AEW Dark that pe- some people still have no idea even fucking exists, it might help them out. But they're a smaller company, and for the most part, they do a lot of exciting stuff. I definitely wouldn't have had fucking Zack Ryder premiere the way that they had him. But I, I still did like the show for the most part. Any closing thoughts on AEW before we move on to NXT, Chris? I mean, I, I like the show overall. Like I said, I, it it was – there were some things I definitely didn't like on the show. But there was – I think the one thing about this is the – a lot of the good outweighs the bad. So I liked the Cody match. Yeah. I liked um, the segments that they had with – I liked all the promos that they had with Moxley, even Ricky Starks' promo, MJF's promo, obviously. Um, the Nyla stuff was a little weak just because – I don't know. It just felt awkward with Vicky being there. And then this person randomly showing up out of nowhere to be her new tag team partner with kind of little to no debut. I agree with you. 
I don't think that every fan is going to go out and watch Be the Elite to figure out what the hell is going on with the Dark Order. So they need to do a better job of that. That's that gets into WWE territory where it's, hey, we showed this shit online, so you guys should know about it. It's like, no, if you don't put it on your main show, a lot of people aren't going to know about it. Um, they have better shit to watch if they're going to exactly watching YouTube. So. Uh, I, I think they should keep that stuff in mind. But outside of it, man, I, and you know, the last match, I did kind of bury it as being very sloppy, but it was an entertaining match, to, to say yeah. the least. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't, um, it definitely was not five stars, we'll say that. But it was entertaining, and it did build. I mean, the one thing that they did do is build matches for next week. So we have the entire card for next week already, um, which is a big step up for uh, this company versus a lot of other wrestling companies. So we, we know what the full card is next week. They have consistent storylines and the show itself flowed really well. There wasn't anything on the show that was just absolutely unwatchable. Yeah, that's for, that's for damn sure. Um, so we uh, started off NXT with Dio Shirai, the NXT women's champion coming out and she got attacked by Dakota Kai and uh, kind of like what you're talking about, Ricky Starks and uh, Darby Allen. This time, Dakota Kai didn't come out like, out of a fucking cannon and kick her in the face, but uh, she definitely attacked her. Well, Tegan, Eo's uh, partner, showed up and started helping, and then comes out Candice LeRae. All of them are fighting all the way into the ring. We start it with Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai going against Eo Shirai and Tegan Knox in a tag match. This was a pretty fucking awesome match. All the women look fucking good. I mean, this is the thing about NXT. Even if you take someone like Candice, which I don't really like, I don't like her or Johnny uh, first being paired together and always being presented as one uh, or being fucking heels. And I, I just don't think that works there. You don't have to – to be a baby face sometimes, you could just have to smile and, like, wave and just have that baby face spirit, you know, that never-die attitude. And, and you have to be able to sell like fucking Ricky Morton. But – I think that's what Candace's strength was. I don't think purple hair and pretending she's an evil person is doing anything for her, but at the same time, she's still viable competitor, and so is obviously Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, against Yo Shirai for the belt, so it makes sense all of them are part of this, um, and I thought it was good. Uh, Yo Shirai would win uh, the match, and uh, yeah, I thought that it was a pretty good match. Dakota Kai left Candace in the ring after she lost, um, choosing to back away on her own as uh, Tegan and Io celebrated. And uh thought it was a pretty good match. I went back and rewatched it because I was more distracted by what was going on in AEW. Uh, but this was a damn good tag match between all the women. Uh, Chris, what did you think about this match? I thought this was a really good opening match. I like, the, I like what they're doing with the women's division and, and kind of building around kind of these uh, these four females as their top superstars which i think makes a lot of sense it's good to see you get a win here but tegan knox also looks strong because she still got to hit her shit she got the shiniest wizard in um i like the match a lot i thought this was a better opening match than what they had on AEW. all right so you know we were talking about where uh ftr was going back and forth with tony khan about their contracts on and is it a work and obviously that was a part of uh uh, the storyline, uh, same thing happens. Was the Pat McAfee show and the blowout with Adam Cole real or not real? Well, if you ask everyone from fucking Busted Open with Dave LaGreca and all them, it was totally real. 
Wrong! Love you, Mark Henry. I love you, Bully Ray, but no, it was not. Um, they showed the whole entire clip for the in the entirety. They showed Triple H, which I didn't even know he came on later, uh, talking to Pat about it. And Pat saying he just wanted to have a conversation. I think they're building up. I don't know how Pat McAfee would do for a match, but I think they're pulling a Lawrence Taylor, Bam, Bigelow, Bam, Bam Bigelow, um, Cody Rhodes, uh, Stephen Amell thing, where it's going to be Adam Cole needs something to do, I guess, at TakeOver. And I'm assuming it's going to go in this direction. I will say that they did a good job with the video, but the fact that they were talking about kayfabe stuff a little bit before he called them small, you know, saying that you always need the uh, the fucking um, Undisputed Era to win matches, or that's the only reason that you're on top. You know, it kind of like blurred the lines, and I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah, this is all bullshit. Uh, and it looks like, I don't know if it's next week or if it's going to be on one of his following shows that we're going to do a follow-up with where he's going to have have a sit-down talk and try to give an apology to Adam Cole. But, um, you know, we, we would have Kyle O'Reilly make his debut after Roderick's match and his loss. That we'll, just, we'll talk about the match in a second. With Johnny Gargano and all the guys in the back were moping, and then Kyle, you know, kind of gave him a pep talk. Thought it was a really good promo. You know, said, we're the freaking Undisputed Era. You know, you're Roderick Strong. You're Adam Cole, the longest reigning champion. You know, get basically get your thumbs out of your asses and let's fucking do this. So they're coming back in a big way. Uh, and I believe, I think uh, the the tag, uh, uh, Red Dragon, I think they're going against for the titles against Imperium next week. I could be wrong about that. I'll probably find out in my notes. But um, I liked that we found out that it was bullshit a week later. Um did you did you think that was real at all, Chris? Because it just confirmed it basically for me. I did not think any of this was real. I mean, even if there was a hint of real anger there, it did matter because they immediately turned it into a work. And Pat McAfee has been trained by Rip Rogers apparently, so it just leads to a fucking match. Now the real question is, is this the the most important thing to wrestling fans as far as shit you could do with Adam Cole? Because I'm gonna go on a limb and say it's fucking not. No. Okay, so then it really doesn't matter. They got a little bit of publicity for it. They're gonna probably look at their ratings this week and see that like no one gives a shit about Pat McAfee as far as wrestling goes, especially not NXT fans. But he was a kicker. I, it doesn't. People don't like this when they do it on the main roster, like at Ma- WrestleMania. They're just gonna throw this thing on a random takeover or whatever with Adam Cole and find some way for him to lose to this celebrity. Like, it's stupid. And it, it's it's not, like, the guy's not even a mate, like an A-list celebrity. That's the other thing. It's not like this, this is Conor McGregor coming in or some shit. Like, no, no, not trying to insult Pat McAfee. I'm sure that his show is good. Uh, the only thing I've ever seen from it is the Adam Cole stuff. But, like, as far as wrestling fans go, I, I think they could give zero fucks about this. Um, I think it's good that they tried to build a reason why Adam Cole would want to kick his ass, but also there has to be something better you could be doing with the guy that just held your title for 280-something, or what was it, almost a full fucking year? Longest title reign in NXT history? You're telling me there's not something you could do with him besides having him in a feud with a celebrity? This is, uh, that's just bad booking. Well, apparently there's rumors that Pat's going to pick a friend to fight Adam Cole, and that actually might be Steve Mongo McMichael and Kevin Green at the same time. <laughs> that would be awesome. Let's bring Mongo back. Hey, baby, you know what I'm saying? Oh, God. 
All right. Um, Mongo just replaces Moro on commentary from now on. Oh, my that. God. I don't even know if I could do that. Like, wow. Um, we had a pretty good match with Johnny Gargano and Roderick Strong. The second time that Moro told us that these guys have met in the ring while both of them have been in NXT. And one, I think it was back in 2018, I believe they said. Which is crazy, because you think that there would have been more matches between the two of them, just one-on-one. But um, i got to say, it's not that they had a sloppy match. Uh, it's just the way they went about it, I, I didn't think it was going to be all technical stuff. I know both guys are pretty damn good at technical wrestling. Uh, but they that was a majority of it was chain wrestling, and I liked it. I did. I just kind of wish that the match – I feel like it never got in the second gear. Like, it started – where you start getting like more of the pops and punches and a lot of the stuff. And then Johnny got the win with that DDT that he does, that hook DDT over the ropes to the inside. Um, so, all right, whatever. Maybe it's the fact that I like Roderick Strong and I don't really like Johnny Carcano anymore. And it's honestly, it's not, I know a lot of people don't believe in go away heat. I think the term can be a little bit ridiculous and overused, but there definitely is that. Johnny's turning into go-away heat for me, honestly, with this character. I think he's awesome in the ring. He should never have turned this. And if he was going to go heel, use the same thing Rock, The Rock did with the Rocky Die stuff. Use the same thing Bret Hart did with the Un-American you know, stuff. Everyone started booing him towards the end of the Tommaso Ciampa and his feud when Ciampa was still the fucking heel. People started booing Johnny Gargano. They were, they were over him as a babyface. Utilize that. This swarmy, cocky, like, it just doesn't work for me. I loved Roderick. I still think that he's got some of the best punches and definitely the best backbreakers in the business. But uh, Johnny ended up getting the win. I would like to see maybe a series of matches against these guys, since I don't think either of them have anything going on. Uh, but I guess it doesn't really work, unless you want to continue the feud. I have no idea. But, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought that the match itself was pretty good. It it seems like they're trying to throw a catch-style wrestling match in each one of these shows. I don't know if you've noticed that Yeah. Um, over the past couple weeks, which I have absolutely no problem with, and that seems like they that's what they did for the most part in this match. Um, I kind of agree with you. Knowing the kind of match that these two could probably have, it seems like it was dialed back, but for me, that's probably because they're going to do something at the pay-per-view. I hope so. That would be cool. Like a longer format match where they can actually go be Johnny Gargano and uh, Roderick Strong full on, like full tilt, and, and have, you know, probably have one of, if not the match of the night, if you let those two guys just go full bore. Um, so maybe they just told them to, like, dial it back, save some shit for the pay-per-view, and we're going to do that down the line. So I, if that's the case, I didn't have a huge problem with this match. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I'm still on the same side as you with the Gargano heel shit. It just, it's just not very good. Yeah, I, I agree. I just think that it's kind of like how I feel about Roman. I, 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 this is the comparison I'll give is like Roman's gotten so much, he's, well, way bigger with Roman, but same concept. When people start getting sour with Johnny, that's when he should have gone heel and been like, oh, so I'm your fucking puppet. I'm the guy that is going to go out there and risk my neck for you guys, but you don't give a shit about me anymore. Like, that's what I wish that Roman would have done two, three years ago. 
and that I think that Johnny should have done instead of like all of a sudden just out of nowhere being a devious like mustache twirling heel now. He's a bad guy. Here's me and my girlfriend and these black and white like little weird shaky things. That means I'm angry. Like none of it's fucking working for me. None of it. I don't think it was addressed right at all. Do you think part of the problem is that they've started maybe pumping in too much creative to the show versus kind of what it was before hitting the USA Network? You know, I'm going to say that I completely agree with Brian Alvarez's assessment that apparently Vince wants more writers a part of fucking NXT. Um, And that it's not needing fucking writers. It's the fact that the show itself, which Brian said won, and I mean, it makes sense. Obviously, we didn't have AEW back then. Impact's been on a fucking sleep hill down to shit. And New Japan doesn't have a weekly show. Ring of Honor has it. But NXT won four years in a row best wrestling television show. And that's because they weren't worried about competing with someone else. And now I believe they are trying to do that. That's why they keep on bringing in people, doing this. And it's kind of changed it from NXT. You can see that Vince has somewhat a finger on this. Way more than he did beforehand. And I think the competition aspect is one of the things that weighs it down. And when fucking Brian said that, I completely agreed with everything that he said. I still think it's a great product. It's still doing like t- like we'll talk about the ratings. It got very close to AEW, and I think that both shows are taking away from each other. Uh, I think that's obvious actually with the fan bases, and I think NXT used to have a better product. Like it still has an amazing women's division, but it always has. It had one of the best tag divisions, and a lot of them have gone on. You know, and just, we had Aleister Black that was being utilized, Ricochet that was being utilized. A lot of these other guys that are completely not doing shit on the main roster. There's really no fucking reason for them to float on over there when NXT could use it. And somehow it's format. It's like they used to really build for these big matches at TakeOver. And now they're trying to go week to week with another program instead. And I still think it's great. It's still one of my favorite wrestling shows on. I mean, it's probably second to AEW, actually, to be honest with you, weekly-wise. But at the same time, I think that it's not – it doesn't have the same – and this has nothing to do with the pandemic, lack of audience, or anything like that. It Even beforehand, it just doesn't have the same – I don't know, same thing about it. It doesn't have the same je ne sais quoi that it exactly. had when, when it was a one-hour show um, and on USA I, – I mean, or on, um, on the network itself – um, yeah, I mean, I think that they've done a lot of really good. Sh- it's not like that this has been a bad show at all, but it does. No, it, some of the shit does feel like it's just thrown together week to week, which is exactly what your point was, and in much like you know what Brian Alvarez was saying on uh, Wrestling Observer Live. But there's still lots of good shit on this show. I don't want people to think that we're like burying the show or anything. I mean, no, it's just hearing stuff like that where they're looking at hiring more creative and then seeing like Pat McAfee being on here and some of the random things that they've done where we start hearing shit like uh, the tortured artist, for instance. (laughs) Um, That that sounds like such a Vince-ism. It does. And if you think about it, what what did they do with the King of Strong Style as soon as he made it to the main roster? He was the artist, formerly known as Shinsuke Nakamura. Yes. So there's just certain stuff that's. He wasn't even going for Prince fucking Vince. He was going for Michael Jackson, you idiot. 
it's all Jesus starting Christ. It's it, you start. We're starting to see these little gaps um, of of that shit creeping in, which makes me worried what this is going to look like in, in you know four or five months. Yeah, I agree with you. It is irritating because if 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 it stays like this and we can just keep on going, that's fine. But if Vince gets more and more involvement, it's going to destroy it. It's going to take out everything that was good about it. You know, he won't even have tag team matches on the damn shows. Well, I mean, outside of the women's tag team match, or the few women's tag team matches we have, when's the last time? Well, I guess we did get Imperium later tonight. but Well, you get a lot of burial Ever-Rise matches. Yeah, that, that's true. I guess those count. Um, there's not been a, I mean, right now they need to really rebuild that tag division. Yeah. It's, at least we got Imperium. That was good. Well, and yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about that coming up soon. But yeah, do you remember, I mean, there was a time period where we had all on the same roster. We had the Undisputed Era. We had the War Raiders. We had the Street Profits. We had a Mustache Mountain was coming like fucking all the time. You know, they had such a strong tag division. And now it's like Everrise, Fan, uh, Fandango, and fucking Tyler Breeze, uh, you know, um, Imperium, and then obviously Undisputed are still around. I guess that, is that it? It, it? That's that's it right now. What the fuck? All right. But I mean, you could you could say the same thing about Raw right now as well. Yeah. You got the pro, you got Street Profits, War Raiders, and I guess Andre and uh, Andrade and and uh, why is his name is escaping Angel. Angel Garza? Yeah, and that's kind of it, right? Pretty much. But the, the one of the stronger things that NXT definitely has is their women's division has been for a long time. And next we had a match with Shotzi Blackheart and Mercedes Martinez. Mercedes obviously last week said Robert uh, Stone could be her her uh, manager, deal with all my fucking legal bullshit and don't fuck me over sort of thing, which obviously setting up a great future for them. Uh, and Robert and uh, which McCallie have been dealing with Shotzi wanting to run over Roderick's leg or not Roderick um, Robert's legs, um, whatever. So we had a match, and the funny thing is. They kind of did this a little bit ass backwards when Mercedes being the heel, Shotzi being the baby face. Shotzi beat the living fuck out of Mercedes for a good portion of this match, and then she got caught. And then from there, if so I guess they were trying to go for more like a like how Brock takes on like smaller opponents sort of thing um, in a much shorter match. But still, uh, at, as soon as that happened, Mercedes uh, Martinez was just dominating her, kneeing her, bringing her outside throwing her around, and that one fucking suplex uh, where she eggs and then did a belly-to-back suplex off the top ropes, dropping Shotzi. Actually, I mean, in all honesty, when you look, it, it was perfectly done with both women, uh, but I could care less seeing that uh, knee, or seeing that uh, again, honestly. After, after, like I said, after I saw Okada get that from fucking Omega, I didn't ever have to see a fucking belly-to-back suplex off the top ropes. But um, King Kong knee and uh, – wait. Well, she basically did the person's 
illustrating that she, her last move was Makabe's move. So thank you for fucking confusing me. But anyway, she got the air raid crash after that, and Mercedes won. And she looked dominant as hell. Uh, I think that she looks vicious. Um, you know, she's not the prettiest fighter, but I don't think that she's trying to go for that. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a loss for Shotzi, but I think that I think that this is potentially going to keep on going with the two of them. And I like their chemistry. I actually thought it was a pretty good match. Just don't do another fucking belly to back suplex off the top ropes. What do you think, Chris? I, I liked this a lot. I thought it was pretty good overall. The um, yeah, the belly to back suplex spot I didn't have as much of a problem with. It seemed pretty pretty safe. But I could see my mind immediately does go to that dragon suplex off the top rope too oh. when I do see this. So I, I, I see what you're saying for sure. Um, I thought this was a pretty good match. I mean, I kind of wish they would have gave him a little bit more time because it, it did seem like Shotzi got a lot of offense in and then Martinez just beat her. Um, at least that's how I saw it. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like the match. I like this feud. I like the fact that Robert Stone finally has someone that can win matches and they can continue this out. This is like a really good mid-card or like slightly below, you know, what you're doing with your women's title belts and an interesting feud and Robert Stone's good on the mic. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes. Yep. All right. Well, next up we had a vignette for a debuting wrestler that I've actually never heard of ex rugby player, Ridge, Ridge Holland, um, who apparently is coming to NXT and he's going to be involved in a three way for NXT, uh, or the the three matches that are going to build up basically the NXT um, North American Championship match. So I got and a lot of, I've heard a lot of people say this like this guy was fucking huge. He he sounded good, you know. With you know he's just really basically explaining himself. But I almost got like a British Brock Lesnar with his look. Like I'm very interested just based on looks, which is probably not the best way to you know view things, but. Obviously, they see something with Ridge Holland to just send him directly into a major match, even if he doesn't win win it next week. Uh, what do you think about this vignette, Chris? I thought the vignette itself was good. I absolutely hate the fucking name, though. <laughs> doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue at all. <laughs> Ridge Holland. Um, so he's been in 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 uh the NXT UK, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember him. Okay, so yeah, okay, I just pulled it up. He he's been there, but not not long. So we're talking November, starting in November, and he had one kind of one television appearance, and then I guess they had to shut stuff down. Um, so do you think Vince was like, I like him. He's a big bastard. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's uh he's been signed with them since 2018. It sounds like. So. Oh yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with the guy for sure. They're immediately putting him in kind of a big profile match as part of this three-way tournament. Um, yeah, I hate the name. I liked the uh, I liked the <laughs> uh, the vignette, but I mean that's that's par for the course with new people they've brought in to uh, to NXT as of late with some of these naming conventions. Ugh. Isaiah Scott, <laughs> Cameron Damn Grimes, God. fuck. Jesus Christ. All right, well, we had NXT champion Keith Lee uh, come to the ring to discuss what happened last week. He says that Bajavak will eventually be fine. As for Karrion Cross, 
He doesn't get why he did all that bunch of bullshit. He says Cross doesn't seem to have the balls to just come up to his face and call him out. Uh, instead, he gets... Uh, so basically, then Cameron Grimes comes out, <laughs> and the champion... Dude, the demeanor of Keith Lee throughout this was, do not fuck with me. And he was very subtle, the way he was talking and direct, but he was angry, and I thought he actually did a really good job looking intense. Cameron comes to the ring, he's talking shit, he's talking about how he needs a title match, all this crap, and he gets on the, the apron, and Keith Lee just comes up and starts choking the life out of him without even flinching on his face, then grabs him and throws him in the ring, almost like a fucking giant choke slam, uh, and then just like throws him into the ropes, does an avalanche splash, Cameron Grimes is done, and then we see... Scarlett Bardot come out in her red, like little red riding hood with the fucking big bad wolf introduced on the screen, threatening Keith, saying that he was basically a pussy for not helping his friend out. And now he doesn't want anything to do with Cross. And just the just the visual of you didn't even see his mouth move. All you see in the shot are his eyes. And like I keep like I keep on saying, like Karrion Cross has some of the most intense eyes I've ever seen in wrestling, honestly. They look, they tell stories. And just what he was saying, you know, usually that would put intimidation. At one point, Grimes tried to attack, um, you know, Keith Lee, and Keith Lee put him up and gave him a spirit bomb. Um, he, he also threatened to start hurting people uh, that Keith Lee loves if he doesn't give him a title shot. And Lee says the name of the time and place, and he will whoop that ass. So I thought this was a great <laughs> promo, and I can't wait to see these two guys collide. I just – I'm wondering – I mean, it would be such a short reign, but I guess still such a big feat at the same time if we're taking off the belts from Lee so he can go to either Raw and SmackDown because Vince apparently has been obsessed with them. Um, so you gave him a little bit of a reign. You had him win both titles off the guy that had it over a year. And then I guess he loses to Karrion Cross, And then maybe has like a rematch and loses that too. I don't know. Uh, I just don't, I don't think you want fucking Karrion Cross to lose. That's the whole thing. But I thought this was great. Both guys are great. What'd you think, Chris? Yeah. I mean, depending on what they, how they, how they booked that match, they could just do a fuck finish. Right. I, I, yeah. I think that they make they might go that route at least for the first match. Just because I they they haven't built anyone else up to take over Keith Lee's spot. No. So like if he leaves, they don't have a top baby face for Karrion Cross to even go against. I mean in wow. unless You're right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, unless they're just gonna bring Ciampa back to, to face him. I don't know. Is I don't know what Chapa has been up to recently. Not happy with things apparently. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he that would be the only real place that I mean that's the only real person I think they can step into that role. But like, if you have Karrion Cross just beat this guy, I mean, everybody else is just going to be a rest, a bunch of dudes after that, since you just had Keith Lee demolish the roster to win the championship. So they they have Oof. to be careful on how they book it. But I I liked uh, Keith Lee just whipping the shit out of Cameron Grimes. Like during this entire thing, <laughs> and I liked the uh, Scarlet Boudreaux and Carrying Cross, uh, let's say promo and video promo. Um, and Keith Lee obviously saying whoop that ass was pretty good, 
he should he should try to make that his tagline. I'm down for him just saying he's going to whoop that ass to everybody. I like angry Keith Lee. I really do. Yeah, it was cool to see a different side of him, and, and they did play off the fact that they're getting under his skin, right? Because this isn't really the character Keith Lee's played thus far. So I think, you know, as a follow-up to last week, this was really, really good shit. Yep. All right, so we had Ever Eyes going against Imperium, the NXT Tag Champions that you forgot existed. I like Imperium, but, I mean, it's true. I haven't seen the fucking belts on this in a long time. But uh, Imperium wasn't – I liked their whole presentation. They just didn't look like they were in a good mood. And when they got in the ring and the bell rang, they just beat the living fuck out of Ever Rise and got the victory um, in almost probably like two minutes. Uh, but afterwards, they try to cut a promo and uh, how they're going to dominate the uh, NXT tag division. Undisputed Era music hits. They all rush out. And then those guys get their asses kicked by all four members of the Undisputed Era. Uh, who took out their frustration on them. Um, we had a vignette that uh, showed Bronson Reed and, and explained his background in wrestling. It was actually really cool. I like stuff like this. I like finding out more about wrestlers. And then William Regal spoke from his home to say that he will not uh, be bullied into making title matches. They will always have to be earned. So that's what Karrion Cross must do. So, they're going to put some hurdles in the way of carrying Cross before he gets anything done with Keith Lee. Um, but, yeah, how did you like Imperium just dominating real quick? After, we haven't seen him in a while, so this came and destroyed Ever-Rise. Uh, then Undisputed Eric kicking the shit out of them. Uh, the vignette about Bronson Reed. And then Re- William Regal uh, telling Carrying Cross that if he wants a title shot, he needs to fucking beat some people with substance. Yeah, it was really weird that they put those things too, like back to back, because didn't like Bronson Reed get choked out last week by Karrion Cross? No, that was uh, Dominic Dijakovic. That that was the week before that, I think, because uh, Bronson Reed won the match with uh, Roderick and um, Johnny last week. That three way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that makes a little bit more sense. But it it's it was I, I like the personality profiles they do on this show. Um, it's. It's one of the best things they they do, and we've talked about this multiple times. If they could somehow incorporate that into some of the promos um, a little bit more, I think that that would go a long way on the show in general. Uh, maybe even across all three of their brands, but I really, really love that. Yep. And uh, I like saying the Thick Boy Dream will come true. That was a good line from that <laughs> that Bronson Reed uh, oh. vignette. <laughs> yep. Um, and I like William Regal kind of saying like, Hey, like I'm the one who makes the matches around here. Um, I don't know what that's really going to do because Keith Lee, uh, as we know from wrestling, Keith Lee can just say, Hey, I'm going to give this guy a title shot. Right. So does that mean that like, we're going to get cross attacking William Regal or something crazy like that? That would be Uh, awesome. If they try to do that. Yeah. They haven't done anything like that in a while. So that would be kind of cool. Um, yeah, so in the Imperium match, it was great because I just watched them whip the shit out of Ever Rise, and that was it. And how we know there's a setup for them versus Undisputed Air, so uh, that'll be a good match. All right, the next one we had a almost ten minute match with Isaiah Swerve Scott going against Jake Atlas. Awesome fucking cruiserweight match. Uh, Jake Atlas just during a tournament, he showed me how good he is doing the little cartwheels and stuff like that to the DDT that he does. Um, 
And these guys had a great match, man. Uh, Isaiah Scott would get the win uh, with the JLM driver. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's trying to build up in the ranks. I think we're going to get Isaiah Swerve Scott, uh, Chris, going against, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, El Fantasma. What's his new name? I forgot. Pablo uh, Escobar, right? Pablo Pablo Escobar, basically, yeah. Um, but I think that will be a great match, and it could be a great feud. I love fucking Shane Strickland. You know I'm a big mark for him. Um, and Jake Atlas looked really good in this match. He's very talented, man. Yeah, I mean, he was impressive, like you said, in the, in the Cruiserweight tournament, and I thought this was a very, very good match. Um, I mean, it, this was probably the match of the night, right? I would think so. Yeah, I was thinking that too, man. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, maybe even off both shows. I mean, I really did like, well, I don't know. It's either this or that tag match from uh, AEW for me, the, uh, the, the Adam Page Omega match as far as my favorite yep. match of last night. But, uh, yeah, this is a good this was, match. If you told me there was – not that I would have thought this would have been a bad match, but if you said we're going to have Roderick Strong against Johnny Gargano and we're also going to have Isaiah Scott and Jake Atlas, I would say Scott and, and Atlas will probably have a good match, but Gargano and fucking – um, Roderick Strong are going to tear it up, and I actually I think this match is better. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat with you, but I, I do think that they told them to to, to dial back that uh, what we could have gotten from Gargano and Roderick, and also it is Santos Escobar, so I had the last part right. Santos. <laughs> Santos Escobar. Um, but yeah, this match was was great. I could watch these guys wrestle some more in the future <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. So we had an interview with Dakota Kai and, you know, uh, Rhea Ripley decided to make presence uh, with that, saying that, oh, you think that you're going to be going next in line to get it, go against Io Shirai? Like, yeah, take a fucking back seat, basically. I'm back. And uh, this set up a match between them. So we're getting Rhea Ripley versus Dakota Kai next week. Uh, and the winner faces Io at TakeOver. We have Oni Lorcan versus Ridge Holland versus Damian Priest. In a North American title qualifying match, and Imperium versus Undisputed Era for the tag titles, and I'm assuming we're probably going to get a match with Karrion Cross going against someone to, you know, I guess show off to Regal that he deserves a title shot. So they'll probably give him someone good to destroy. Uh, we also had Damian Priest. Uh, he's interviewed about his qualifying match uh, next week. He goes uh, against Ridge Holland and Oni Lurkin. Like I said, he promises there won't be. Any surprises or upsets, he's definitely winning. And out of the three of them, I think that makes a lot of sense, unless they want to push Ridge Holland. But um, what do you think about this uh, and some of the matches we have uh, listed for next week, Chris? Man, I hope for fuck's sake Damian Priest wins or they're just done with this guy. <laughs> it, it is like the competition is only Lorcan and a guy that's never debuted on your U.S. television show. Um. Yeah, I liked the uh, I liked the Rhea Ripley stuff. I think that's good. I'm not super excited that that's going to be a three way match now, just because I feel like we see three way matches all the time on NXT. Um, let's see, what else did I did I miss? I think that was it, right? Those were the two things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I will say, with these with these NXT uh, North American Championship qualifying match, we're getting a ladder match. It's going to represent like the first North American title match on TakeOver. Um, so far, the people they've picked 
I would say are a little bit like kind of questionable. So even with Damian Priest, if he wins, that means that the first three people in this ladder match are Dexter Loomis, Bronson Reed, and Damian Priest. I'm just saying it's a ladder match, and when you have people like Finn Balor and Roderick Strong and fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Johnny Gargano, it's just kind of weird where they're going, but I guess we still got about like three more weeks worth of matches, so... But do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Isn't that kind of strange to set up a ladder match with people that probably are not going to be the best people in the ladder match so far? No, oh, I mean, putting Dexter Loomis in the ladder match, which we're going to get into here in a bit, seems like really bad idea. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know that this is the route I would have went, considering the people that I have on – or the people that you would have on this NXT roster. Um, I guess we'll see who else they put in this thing. It, it seems like they're putting in who they think is, like, the, the top stars for the mid-card, which is fine. But you're going to end up with, like, three or four hosses in a ladder match. Yeah. And uh, a varying degree of falling? ability. <laughs> Kevin Owens, he's going to be in this match. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine with me. Kevin um, Owens or Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn shows up next week, and then they just fucking throw him all around. That's what happens on the main product, usually, when they have one of these matches. <laughs> I will say that, um, you know, I agree with you with the Dexter Loomis stuff, but I do like some of the little stuff that they do with Dexter. Like, you know, they had Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher both interviewed earlier in the night, and, you know, both of them gave, like, a similar answer, like, I don't care, blah, 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 blah. And then you see Dexter in the fucking background just staring, just, like, stalking the person. And at one point, the blonde interview noticed him in, like, after Timothy left, and she got all freaked out. Stuff like that, I do appreciate it just well well i mean he's still building yeah he's still building i'm not ready to be sour on it yet i don't like the tortured artist thing at all i like what they i like what they've done with his character so far i told you i was worried about it when when fucking moro and um todd both said that but a uh a ladder match is not necessarily going to be his character's strong suit no. I don't think because you can't have this guy just like all of a sudden fucking running up ladders and shit out of nowhere after having him very like wrestle very much like early 90s Undertaker. Uh, that's that's more of the problem. I mean, it's going to be absolutely shocking if he just starts fucking flying up ladders and jumping off shit. Who knows, man? That would be crazy. All right, so I got a breakdown from 411 Mania for the main event, and uh, with Dexter Loomis, Finn Balor, and Timothy Thatcher in the NXT North American Championship qualifying match. They all go at it at the bell. Loomis steals the show early by landing on his feet on a top, on a tope to the outside, which stuns both Balor and Thatcher. Back inside, Loomis holds uh, severe and gets. Some near falls. God, this this is a fucking terrible breakdown. Get some nears fall. Loomis keeps doing this thing. But once Thatcher gets going, he had to commercial. Returning, you, Thatcher remains Dane, in. Yep. Do you want do you want me to hit this this one instead? This recap instead? Yeah, if you could. This thing's fucking terrible. Whoever wrote okay. it. Just... Yeah. Dexter Loomis defeats Timothy Thatcher and Finn Balor in a triple threat match to qualify for the North American Championship ladder match. Starting the match out, Loomis choked out Thatcher. Uh, Loomis chokes out Thatcher to win the match via, uh, via stoppage. Um, the match basically was uh, Baylor and Thatcher squared off with each other at the outset, and Loomis 
stoically watched them. He kind of just stood there like a statue as Thatcher and Baylor were brawling at ringside. They got back into the ring, and they ran into some Undertaker-style chops from Loomis. He sent them outside again. Loomis went for a Top Con, uh, basically a, a Top Con Zero, which is just an outside Topicon spot. Giro? Yeah, there you go. Baller and Thatcher moved, but suicide died. Uh, Baller and Thatcher moved, but Loomis impressively laid it on his feet. The three-way fight continued in the ring where Loomis tossed them around. Baller cut off Loomis and targeted his leg. Thatcher jumped back into the match, and he went to work on Loomis. This match was uh, was playing. This this match didn't really. Basically, what they're saying here is the match didn't really play to Thatcher's strengths, but I thought he looked pretty fucking good in this match. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Thatcher knocked ba- uh, Balor off the top rope before the show cut to picture-in-picture commercials. Balor got revenge during the break, but Loomis knocked him off the apron with a lariat. When the show returned from break, Balor and Thatcher were squaring off in the ring. Thatcher with a cradle for a two-count. Then Thatcher spent the rest of the time wearing Ballard, uh, ba- uh, thin Balor down when the uh, realization really set in. Um, no, then uh, basically they re- realized that Loomis was rejoining the fight. Uh, he took out Thatcher with a bulldog, but Balor dropped him with a Pele kick. They both rose to their feet after a triple down. Um, Balor was dominating when Thatcher tripped him. Thatcher then crotched Balor on the ring post. Um, Thatcher then posted Balor's, uh, well, posted, I guess, is pil- pilmanized his leg against the post. Uh, and then he applied a leg lock. Loomis breaks it up, and then he started stalking Thatcher, which was great. Uh, Loomis delivered a spine buster. Thatcher fought back with a kick. Thatcher turned his attention to Balor, and Thatcher torqued Balor's knee with a dragon screw into the ropes. Loomis went for this, uh, went for his submission finisher, and Thatcher struggled to escape. Balor flew in out of nowhere with a double stomp to break the hold. Balor went to cover Loomis, but Thatcher pulled him off. They began to fight. Thatcher applied the ankle lock, and Balor looked to be in trouble. Loomis snuck up behind him, um, like, like in the scene from a horror movie, essentially. And Thatcher still had a hold of Balor's legs as Loomis trapped Thatcher in the submission finisher. Thatcher passed out, and Loomis was declared the winner. Thatcher basically choked out. Uh, it, it's, uh, the, the, okay, so that was pretty much the end of the match. But uh, essentially, my one takeaway from this that I wasn't super stoked about is that Thatcher got choked out when you've kind of made him a catch submission specialist. I know he did get kind of caught yeah. from behind, but maybe you could have done that same spot but with Balor if you were going to do this, but I thought this match was pretty good for a main event match. Um, it's me too. Do you think arguably I will say, well, I mean, I, I thought he was good last week. I'm, but I'm, I'm glad they're letting Sam Shaw do more shit in the ring. Cause obviously he's a hell of a lot more athletic than they've put off in the past by making him directly do too much shit. Like early nineties undertaker. I like this stuff where out of nowhere, he fucking lands on his feet or, you know, when he comes back in the frame or or stalks someone like let him build his own character. Don't make it too much like something and don't limit him if he's actually much more athletic than you're giving off. Um, I also would like to see Thatcher and Finn Balor kind of similar to Roderick Strong and fucking Johnny Gargano. Get something going with them and let them have a match of takeover. I think that'll be a fucking great match. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I mean, they put they've been putting Thatcher over pretty strong recently so it would be cool to see him and Balor do something at, at TakeOver I mean if they let me and you book this show it'd end up being like Wrestlemania it'd be like fucking four hours long but uh, <laughs> that's, that's 
That's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I would love I would love that. Um, I guess we're going to see. I don't know. Maybe maybe over the next couple of weeks, we'll see more and more Loomis offense and I'll feel better about him being in this ladder match. It's just everything up until I mean, th- to me, he showed more in this match uh, than he has in any other match. And, and he kind of built off last week a little bit. So I don't know. Maybe the tortured artist thing is good for him other than it being terrible stupid to name. his actual yeah being a stupid name and kind of terrible for the gimmick he's portraying but um they have let him open his move set up a little bit which i think helped this match and i like thatcher and, and Balor are just fucking incredible and and uh you know this wasn't this hasn't really been thatcher's they didn't really put this to like a match that would be thatcher's strong points but i still thought he worked really really well um I, I don't know. I, I like the match. I thought it was very, very good. I agree with you, man. And yeah, good ending to NXT. Uh, I think, you know, no reason to critique stuff because I think I already talked about it when you asked me earlier. My biggest problem with NXT is that even though it's a great show, I think once they moved off the network, you can tell that Vince has had a little bit of control over it. And it's funny because, I mean, they're doing sometimes better hour ratings, hour by hour ratings to the third hour of fucking Raw, but um, let's Triple H steer the fucking ship, don't get a bunch of writers, and don't try to micromanage the shit out of it. The thing that made NXT pure and great for the longest time of being one of the best pure wrestling shows was the fact that wrestling minds were still, you know, a part of fucking creating it. It was Triple H. You know, it was Steamboat was there for a while. Terry Taylor was there for a while. Um, and then obviously Sean came, Brian, whatchamacallit, Road Dog. You have them working with the talent, obviously, but you also have them figuring out the storylines and bringing the, the organic style of wrestling that I like and more of like a sports presented concept. And it's not like Ron SmackDown, but you can still, you can see the imprint with Vince. And that's the one thing that is the biggest deterring factor with NXT, I will say, as my closing statement. Yeah, that and they've pulled up a lot of talent, such as like yes. Matt Riddle, and, and done some things that I wouldn't necessarily necessarily have done if I was trying to put the best product I could. Um, and that makes me fearful when you talk about someone like Keith Lee potentially just dropping the title and going up to the main roster because I don't think they have a built-in replacement. I mean, I guess you could go Finn Balor. But they don't have a top babyface to go against Karrion Cross, And the top of the card is, is kind of weak because they introduced that second title. So now you have most of the people that you're trying to build going after the North American title, which leaves your, you know, your heavyweight championship just kind of up in the air. So there's been some decisions there that are directly from Vince, which is pulling up some, pulling up some superstars that you wouldn't expect. And, and something, you know, they had some unfortunate things happen as well. Like whatever the hell is going on with Velveteen dream. Like we don't know if we're ever going to see him back. Right. Uh, yep. Which they, they couldn't have expected that. I'm sure that they had a lot of shit built out for Velveteen dream, but yeah, hey, maybe, maybe someone, uh, you know, just needs to show up and uh, go for that title again. Maybe all of a sudden you hear, you know, and Kevin Owens comes out and fucking fucks some people up and goes after Killian Cross for the title, you know? Yeah, I mean, you they, they have built-in options that they could use. I mean, they have, like I said, what, you know, if Sammy wants to come back, yeah, that would be 
I mean, he could immediately be a babyface back in NXT. Just come out to his old music, be nice guy, and get tormented by Karrion Cross, and then he's right back to being, you know, a big a, a big time babyface. Especially with the NXT die, like diehard fans that watched his run there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff they can do. I agree with you 100%. There are, there's, like I said, there's little Vinceisms that are starting to peek through or writer influences that are starting to peek through on this product that makes me uh, slightly worried about it going forward. Yep. Well, um, one thing that I will say, though, that it's it's I'm not worried about and, and we've talked about this. I'm not worried about ratings, per se. Like I said, I think USA's fine with what NXT does on a Wednesday. They're probably more worried about Raw. But we do need to talk about ratings in general, though, Chris. Because I got the ratings for the breakdown of this last week. AEW Dynamite won this week's viewership battle with 773,000. That's a .30 in the 18 to 49 demo. And finished sixth for the Night and Cable. Uh, WWE NXT drew 707,000. It was .18 in the 18 to 49 demo. And finished 28 uh, in the Night for Cable. And it let me know that the cable rankings are determined by the 18 to 49 demo numbers. Okay, gotcha. So uh, with 1.480 million combined viewers, AEW and NXT outdrew this week's third hour of Raw, which drew 1.463 million viewers. Well, damn. That's uh, I'm glad that they're, you know... Not necessarily neck and neck, but I want to see them both in the 700s. I'd love to see them both get into the 800s. Uh, you know, obviously uh, AEW is still there, but I think this is a good week for uh, you know wrestling. I don't think this was their best shows, but I'm not going to complain if both of them get good good viewership or at least are going higher than they they usually go to. So, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I have to agree with you there. The uh, you know we've talked about it. A lot, I guess, over the past past few shows. But the the biggest thing here is what WWE is doing, or at the your main product product is doing, because that's where I think it's going to matter more. Um, you know, T and uh, TNT seems happy with Dynamite, and I would assume that you know, considering their head to head competition, I would assume that NXT or USA would be happy with what NXT is doing, because it's not. Yeah. I don't think that they overpromised promised what this product was going to be. And the last time they tried to do NXT on USA, it, would, it pulled like 200 or 300,000 viewers um, like a while. I mean, the first they did this, uh, they did this before they put it on NXT and then it got pulled off. But um, a crazy story that kind of came out a little bit later related to WWE is they were actually, they were projected to only make like $11.5 million for this quarter. And with the cuts that they've made and how they've been recording their shows, et cetera, they blew past what people were expecting and they made like $43.8 million. So they're, they're doing some stuff right, but it's uh, the, the overall main product. And, and I think it shows in, in viewership has not been very good as of late. Yep, that's a, that's a good point, but we'll get to that uh, the next time we talk. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm going to put a little bit of uh, impact there to make our, our lives better. But like I said, Raw was pretty good. We'll see what happens with SmackDown. Uh, but that is the show, guys. So uh, I appreciate everyone listening in. Um, 
you know, for, for the breakdown of AEW and NXT. Um, if there's ever negativity for me or Chris, you know, uh, especially with this more constructive criticism because we like both shows and it's hard to find things wrong with them compared to other stuff wrestling wise on. But if you're interested in that side of things, like I said, we'll be recording our show Saturday. We'll have uh, the Ron Smackdown review, a little bit of impact as well um, this weekend. So we'll have that for you. Any new listeners, thank you guys so much for checking us out. Keep on checking us out. Um, and if you guys want to find the the uh, the file itself, or basically any way to stream it, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google. Uh, there you'll find it pretty much on Spotify, on iTunes, on YouTube. It'll have links for everything. Or you can go to geekfivesnation.com. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, if you want to find me on Twitter, Danals42, uh, come and, uh, you know, message me. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about wrestling. Uh, Chris. I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I can't use that part. But uh, have, have a great evening, man, and uh, say goodbye to all the lovely people. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I thought it was a really fun show. As always, if you want to talk to me, you can hit me at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Uh, there was a Skates to Throats podcast that came out last week, so if you're into hockey, check that out. We should have another one up this weekend. And if you haven't gotten a chance to check, out, uh, check it out yet, we have a great interview with Rob Terry that I did last night. Uh, yep. Talking about Natty for Life, former Impact wrestler, for, for, former uh, Florida Championship wrestler, and overall good guy. So definitely check that out. But yeah, man, I had a great show. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Dane. Oh, of course, man. And uh, you did a great job uh, with that interview, dude. So definitely check that out, guys. And uh, have a lovely, lovely day, evening, whenever you listen to this. And come back and listen to us again. All right. Peace out, guys. Have a good one. And let the geek vibes be with you.